Yeah, I'm not important. I'm just flavor. Good morning and welcome to the TryGames.net podcast episode number 139. And I'm your host, Austin Shaw. Not. This is uh, Al. I will only be known as Al the Antipode. Thank you very much. And um, I have with me just one lovely lady. And you'll be hearing that throughout the entire podcast because my voice sucks in the morning. So who's my lovely lady today? Oh, that would be me, and I really like the fact that you started the episode with a throat clear. I'm sure Austin's going to leave that in, so it's going to be like, <clears throat> welcome to 139. Yep, absolutely. Oh, I'm um, Pete, by the way, in case people don't know. Yeah, I'd say I'm um, me. Nice to meet you, <laughs> me. And, yeah, I'm uh, not important. I'm just yeah. flavor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I do believe that uh, the Slunkadunk is unavailable for today. And uh, Mr. Chupon is also unavailable due to being away with his family uh, for the 4th of July holiday, which is awesome. I get to stay at home, and I really don't mind. How about you? What are you doing for this 4th of July? Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be going out or not. I mean, it's my fourth, first 4th of July, obviously, in a, in a nice big new city. But uh, my girlfriend decided to leave me for the weekend to go be with her family, and uh, she went out to Colorado or something. Oh, damn. Um, so yeah, like I'm kind of all alone this weekend. But uh, I might take a look and see if there's like somewhere for me to go wander and watch, you know, the pretty lights in the sky later tonight. But otherwise, just I don't know, sit around and do nothing. Yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. I've I've been working a lot and also not working a lot because I've had days off every so often. Um, and unfortunately, this is my last day off before my last regular week before I go off to lovely Jamaica to get married. Oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, yes. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And uh, that would mean that in two weeks we won't have a podcast, but we'll get to that, you know, when when it comes. So um, what we're going to do today is we're going to start with the news first because I think that we'll have a nice little camaraderie style talk about what we've been playing and we'll just end it on a nice little up note but uh <clears throat> to begin with the news uh we've got just a couple of articles that i found over the week it doesn't really seem like anybody else found anything <laughs> but that's okay I've, I've there wasn't much about that yeah there wasn't much news this week anyway i mean it was like oh um you know around michael jackson passing away and um yeah, there really wasn't much going on. Everybody was talking about Michael Jackson video games. So anyway, uh, looks like ads may be coming to the Xbox Live uh, dashboard. And that's a little disappointing. But according to this uh, article that I got from Kotaku, written by Luke Plunkett, uh, Sean Alexander, director of uh, Microsoft's advertising business group, suggested that you could soon be seeing advertisements every time you fire up a 360 dashboard. Apparently, Microsoft plans to bring IAB specifications for rich media technologies, including Silverlight, which is like Microsoft's version of Flash, to Xbox Live within the year. And uh, they say that Silverlight-powered media on Xbox will have the same appearance as ads seen on a web browser. Which basically means you'll be like looking through your dashboard, trying to find your game to play if it 
you're playing something that you downloaded from Xbox Live, and oh, boom, I'll pop will, um, an ad from Burger King or something. And like, the king wants you to play Xbox or some stupidness like that. And uh, I think it's kind of stupid because of the fact that we are, you know, as gold users, I don't, did you upgrade to gold yet? Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, remember, I, said, I, yeah, I think I told you, I was on the podcast, I said I uh, did, got that offer when I, like, one good thing about ads, at least now on Microsoft, is that when I turned it on the one day, there was like a little advertisement for one month for one dollar. Mm-hmm. So I upgraded to gold then, and um, I was probably planning on renewing that, but I don't know now with this. But yeah, keep going. Oh, well, that the ad that you just mentioned is actually an example of like a good ad. You know, it's yeah. something that's geared toward you because you're already on Xbox and you may not have a gold subscription. And hey, one month for one dollar is really cool. But yeah, that's that. I mean, I, would, I don't know if I consider that. I mean, it's it's an ad in a way that it's like advertising something for yeah. me, but it's not like you know, it's not like it was paid from an outside company to like you know just clutter up the Xbox. Which exactly. Is what's gonna end up happening? <laughs> yeah, and they already have things like that, but they're not so intrusive. Like if you go look at the video marketplace, and you know, you got advertisements for movies and things like that. Or even if you go into like something as silly as the game marketplace or the spotlight, you'll see like a Sprite ad, but the Sprite ad will actually be a, um, hey, we have a guest appearance. <laughs> um, the Sprite ad would be more like a, a download this like free, stupid Xbox Live game, and it's an advertisement, but at least you get something with it, you know? But anyhow, this is apparently supposed to be like, uh, you know, your Google-hosted ads type of thing, you know? So, what we're going to do here is uh, take a second and see if we can... No, we can't. Austin is uh, just banging up the chat, and he wants us to say, to all of you guys. So, Oh, and he also said, Ab colon luad There. So that's Austin's word to the audience today. And I left the chat. <laughs> he Oh, and then he also wants everybody to know before I left the chat that he's about to get flooded down the Esopus River in a Cheerio tube. So he's going tubing. Awesome. Too bad I can't respond to him. Hey, Pete, you respond to him. Tell him that I said it's awesome that he's tubing. T-O-O-B-I-N, like the video game. He's Okay. Wow. While I take a nice hit from my turbo iced coffee, homemade. He wants to also say that he's better than everyone, and that I have two L's and two C's, and Al has <laughs> hair, and he's out biatches. Poof. <laughs> okay. So that's our uh, guest appearance from <clears throat> Mr. Chupon, while I continue to clear my throat all goddamn day. Um, I was talking about those stupid little games, but uh, we'll just forget about that. Uh, now... Microsoft did make comments on their advertisements because everybody was like, what the hell? I'm paying $50 for live gold, and now I got to see ads? That just makes no sense to me. Uh, it makes no sense to you, does it? Make no. No. Sense? no. I, I, oh, believe me, I'm going to rant as soon as you're done. <laughs> All right. So before you rant, um, we're going to just get a little word from Microsoft's Larry Hrib, I guess. I don't know. Her- Le- Herb. Herb. It is. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Herb. Okay. You can awesome. just call him, you know, call him Mage. Oh, yeah, Major Nelson. That's that's him, right? 
Yeah, the mage if you're dirty. The mage. <laughs> the mage if you're dirty. Um, yeah, he says on his blog, <clears throat> and I quote, I need to let you know that you don't need to worry about a huge influx of ads across the dashboard. One of our core principles is to enhance, not interfere with the gaming experience. And we work directly with our partners to only deliver experiences that are relevant to the live community. Right. Silverlight will help make those ads a more organic part of the dashboard, like we've done with some of the NXE slots in the past. Sprite. No one on the team wants to turn the dashboard into something that looks like the Shibuya Crossing, which, thanks to the world ends with you, I know what Shibuya Crossing looks like. <laughs> um, uh, that's just not good for anyone. And, uh, yeah, at, at this point, that doesn't really help anything because we already have ads in the form of some of the slots in the NXE and whatnot. But that means that now there's going to be even more stuff. And the, this stupid little uh, mock-up of what's happening here with uh, the Microsoft dashboard, I don't know if you see that. It's on Kotaku. Um, if you yeah, I, I oh you are you telling the other people? Yeah, if you well, I'm talking about you, but now I'm talking to everybody else. Like, if well, yes, search, I see it. <laughs> yeah, if you search Microsoft and uh, probably advertisements, uh, advertising, you'll get this picture, and it's like a Coca-Cola logo next to your friends, and then under that is some. Um, a uh, little banner ad for McDonald's. And... That looks like it's off of GeoCities. Yeah. And <laughs> and under all of the slots in the NXT, there's a, a ticker from ESPN HD, which absolutely has no place. I mean, that is not This picture actually makes me physically sick. Yeah. Like, I really feel like I'm going to puke right now. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel sick, too. B- mainly because of this ESPN HD thing, which has absolutely no place on this <laughs> mock-up, because it's not an advertiser. But yeah, I could I could see somebody electing to have that here because oh they're into sports and they want their ticker because they leave their Xbox on twenty four hours a day. But who knows? Right. Uh, what do you have to say about this, Pete? Okay, um, well, let's start with the fact that I I think that okay. Major Nelson is saying you don't need to worry about a huge influx of ads across the board. I think that the way that it's set up now is already there's too much crap. Um, so even one more advertisement is going to be a huge influx to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate, hate the way the NXE is set up and the way it looks and everything. It's so, like, cumbersome to navigate and, like, it's still it's confusing. I mean, like, the old Xbox dashboard, I, like was very comfortable with and like I knew exactly where to go to get what I wanted and then you know had the separate micro- marketplace tab if I wanted to venture into the marketplace but otherwise mm-hmm. when I turn it on I want to play my games I can get to it without a major hassle True. now it's like I, I understand that I mean I know it's set up like in relative in technically a simplistic enough way that I like shouldn't fumble to get to a game but like whenever I start it up I'm always like trying to remember like okay like if I want to watch Netflix oh yeah I have to go to the video tab and then scroll over a thing to get to the Netflix thing and then like I don't know it just it seems very (sighs) I'm trying to think of a nice word to use Um, don't use a nice word it seems retarded I'm sorry if I offend people with that um like so Adding in more ads is just going to make it more confusing. And, I mean, I, I obviously, you know, it's not definite that it's going to look like how this mock-up is here. But I, oh, I don't really not. know. I don't know how else they're going to actually be able to do it unless it's, like, 
like you said, unless it's like uh, you're like in the middle of looking for a game, and then it like it pops up, it just takes up the whole screen. It's like a 15 second ad, and it's like your your Xbox dashboard browsing will resume in 15 seconds. Yeah, I was like, gonna make a joke or something like that, where like you're just browsing through things and say, "Oh, I want to play something like a Bionic Commando or something like that." You select Bionic Commando, and it goes, you know, Bionic Commando was brought to you by, and then it'll be like some stupid ad for a car. <laughs> Lexus. <laughs> Bionic Commando your Bionic Commando experience is brought to you by Lexus. Yeah. Um, and then you have to sit and watch a twenty three second ad that you can't skip. <laughs> then it's like now loading Bionic Commando. Uh I it won't get like that. But I well, I'm definitely seeing that there's gonna be some kind of non intrusive meaning not always in your face, you can't do anything about it ad. Yeah. There's gonna be some kind of like nagger somewhere, like a little, you know, like this McDonald's thing. It, it, right. it could theoretically just be that. Yeah. Um. And then there's the uh, the fact that, like you said, like you know, it's fifty dollars a year, and uh, if they do, I mean, I can't see why they wouldn't make this for both gold and silver members because pretty much every other advertisement so far has been for like all parties involved, mm-hmm. and. The advertisers aren't gonna want them want Microsoft to uh, limit it to just silver members. You know they're paying for this advertising space, and they're gonna want to try to get to the largest, like largest group of players. And obviously, I think there's more gold subscribers than there are silver members. Um, I think I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure either. I mean, I, I would have to suspect so because most of the people who buy Xboxes want to play their games online. Yeah, but I, I I wouldn't be able to say. Um, and then, like, it's just the fact that uh, advertising is meant to help alleviate the costs of, like, providing a service and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, my major problem with this, my major problem, Major Nelson, <laughs> is that we've been, like, people who have been, like, st- with the Xbox since the original and stuff, like, and f- since Xbox Live came out, have been paying $50 a year since the, like, you know, inception of Xbox Live. Yeah, in uh, 2000. Yeah, and... It's like originally that you were paying fifty dollars a year just for the service of you know being able to connect and play games and stuff through Microsoft's you know like you know integrated networking hard uh, software stuff blah blah blah. Mm. Um, now like throughout the years it's gotten more and more cumbersome and annoying and like ad filled and yet you're still paying fifty dollars a year. So it's like they keep you know shoving stuff down your throat that you don't want and you're still paying them for it. Like it's you know. As far as I know, like, originally, you know, ads are there to support something, like, helping something be free or cheaper or whatever, Um, and Microsoft's, like, come up with this, like, amazing marketing strategy where we are basically paying for ads. (laughs) Um, You look at a site like like Hulu or something, um, I just want to take something that's, like, a service that's free and ad-supported, and, like... You don't pay to use Hulu. Like you get all this like stream, all this content for free, um, because it's so like heavily ad supported. Now, if Hulu tried to charge its users to like come in and use its stuff and still had ads, they wouldn't they wouldn't be in business anymore. <laughs> no, they um, wouldn't. But yet Microsoft is able to do that. It's like we're st- like they're like, hey, we can keep throwing ads at them, and they'll still keep paying that premium price for something that they can get free elsewhere, <laughs> PS3. Like, that's the good thing about, like, PS3 is that, you know, you don't pay any, mo- any money for their online service. Sure, it might not be as good as Xbox, but at least it's not as annoying. 
True. Um, um, and and what's funny about this, in in my opinion, is that the annoying parts of Xbox Live can mostly be ignored, but when they're there, it's just like, you know, I I don't want to be sorting through my NXE trying to find something, and all of a sudden I see. Uh, you know, there's ad for this and there's ad for that, and oh, there's a spotlight here for this that I really don't care about. All I really want to do is kind of get to the next Xbox Live game that that I can download that came out today. Right. And you know, there's so many things that I have to go through. But technically, if if the <clears throat> NXE was kind of made better, then we wouldn't have to go through all of those hoops just to get to what we want. We should still be able to get to what we want. And maybe on the way, see something, but it'll be on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Not like I got to pass through. I got to pass through some ad for Sprite. I got to pass through some other ad for freaking Dr. Pepper. They want me to download their free game for nothing. And then Yaris <laughs> comes back out of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, for some stupid reason, when, uh, this is just a tangent, but when I uh, re signed up for xbox live and stuff when uh like me and my girlfriend you know moved in here and we got the xbox and uh i like re-got my account Mm -hmm. um i uh went through my download history to get back all the games that i had like purchased and stuff and since yaris is no longer on the uh you know on the actual marketplace you can't get it anymore but pretty much pretty much anything you've downloaded you can still re-get from your download history as long as it wasn't completely taken off the service like something that i purchased and was which is annoying um, but uh, Yaris is still available to download to my download history. So since it was there, I downloaded it again. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Haven't actually played it, but I downloaded it. I was like, "Hey, I it's, it's still available for me to download, and you know they might take it off the service one day." So and I, I need should to have, have it on my hard drive so that I can tell people, "Look at this shitty game." Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Yeah. So I, I think yeah, ads are kind of shitty, but um, you know, it's not so shitty. <laughs> Segway, uh, uh, StarCraft Two. StarCraft Two. It's I have really kind of not cared about any news coming out from it because it's something that I'm gonna get regardless of what anybody says about it. But I just happened to come across this article. It was an interview with um, Dustin Browder, who is let's see, he's the lead designer of StarCraft Two. Um, it's from Shack News. Uh, the interview is about <clears throat> how they put in certain features of the game based on uh, feedback or based on uh, how they feel about the game. It's an it's a interview about the design process of StarCraft II. Uh, one thing that really kind of caught my attention that made me say, oh my goodness, this game's going to be freaking hot, is uh, a feature that they were discussing later on. But I just want to kind of hit a couple of points and just go through the, the interview and you know just see what you... Uh, you would be interested in having something to say about this, yes, Pete? Uh, sure. Ah, good. Uh, now, there's a point here that they were talking about where they get their information from, uh, you know, like where they get their inspiration to put certain things in the game or to keep things in the game. And uh, Dustin Brado was asked, like, how much of this is a reactive process, like, based on feedback, and how much is internal polishing? So Dustin Browder says it's some of both. Uh, Obviously, right now, before beta, it's mostly us, which is Blizzard, uh, with some reaction. After beta, it kind of goes the other way. Right now, we're definitely doing most of the stuff internally with some external feedback. 
obviously we watch the boards and a lot of sites. Of course, they're talking about like StarCraft One stuff, and I guess maybe some things that people are reacting to from the content that's being released, like pictures and videos and whatnot. Uh, we see what kind of people we see. We kind of see what people are seeing and try to understand what their concerns are, and we try to make a decision. Are those concerns real, or is it because they haven't played the game yet? Uh, they also he also mentions later on that he likes to put in the uh, opinion of the casual player, which would be like you and me, because there's the people who like play StarCraft, and that's the only game they play, yeah. and they play on Battle.net all the time, and they're in the ladders. Those are the hardcore guys, but then you know the casual people and most of the other people who play, who will just play through the single player or may just play multiplayer with friends and they don't really speak on the boards much they don't really have a voice so it it's kind of hard for him as he says to kind of take what the casual player wants because they don't have much of a voice so he kind of has to think in terms of what the casual player is or maybe catch a, a comment from a casual player and put a lot of like not importance but some emphasis on how that would help balance the game and things like that. Um, and I thought that that was really cool as well. Uh, what do you think about like that kind of development process of like really kind of you have a game that's got a lot of feedback, and of course you know the internet is full of people who just they're just loud and they want what they want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, he has a quote here that says, uh, "If you look at the WoW forums, WoW is the worst game ever made." I don't agree. And, yeah, it's because WoW Forums is a whole bunch of people bitching about how shitty the game is and how they can't wait for XXX game to come out and then, oh, WoW's going to fall because of this game, Vanguard <clears throat> and uh, Warhammer <laughs> 40K. Those were things that people were like, oh, this is going to be WoW's death now. Uh, how do you feel about that process of feedback and versus just internal development? Well, I mean, I think it's a a great process. I mean, obviously, like they want to try to get as uh, as as broad a range of ideas like from from players that they can get in uh, in turn. <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to word it. Okay, they 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 want you know it's like. They want to know what everyone's opinion is going to be. Obviously, they're not going to take every opinion and be like, okay, well, you know, we want to appease everybody, but it's good to know what everyone wants. And, yeah, like, I, it's got to be hard for a company to uh, get the opinions of the non-hardcore, like, crazy super fans. Um, but, uh, like you said, I guess he's just trying to, like, trying to get, like, I don't want to say guess, but uh, try to uh, predict, like, how the how the casual gamer is going to react to this type of stuff or something. I don't know. It's, it's a good thing. I do. I wish there was an easier way to, uh, for him to get out there and, or like the company to get out there and find out what like casual Starcraft players would want in a sequel. Sure. I mean, I guess there's no easy way to do that. Cause it's not like, you know, it, uh, it kind of relates to what one of our future, one of our other stories, but like, since there really is no hard, well, even I don't, uh, I don't want to use the word hardcore, but since there's no like print media for gaming, it's like casual people can't just go and pick up like a game, a random game magazine, and then see like something in there that says, you know, oh, StarCraft, like the Blizzard's looking for, you know, your opinion on what you would like to see in StarCraft Two. It's like um, most casual people probably don't even 
know anything about StarCraft Two other than it's going to be coming out, you know, within a year or so. Right, and um, they're already either they're already sold on it, and they don't care; they're just waiting for it to come out, or yeah, <clears throat> they're just busy doing everything else, and you know, that that's the way either the casual player would be, whereas the hardcore or pro player, they would be still playing StarCraft One, commenting on the Blizzard boards and all that other stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that, like, Blizzard should, like, completely discount hardcore players either, because obviously they're the ones that are your, like, your guaranteed sales and stuff, and mm. um, they are the ones that really support your product, so you want to make them happy, too. You don't want to completely, like, casualize or change the game to the point where they're going to be like, well, you know, this isn't the type of game that I want anymore, but, the, like, they are the more crazy of the bunch, and... Like no matter what you do, they'll find something to bitch about. Um, that's like, it's my opinion that anyone on any gaming form is a complete tool toolbox. Like, <laughs> I, I, I people on forums are just insane. Um, they are, and uh, it's a shame that like you know that that is kind of the way it is. It's like you can really only hear the opinions of the insane people when you really want the the opinions of everyone else. Um, but uh. If there was a way for them to get out there and get more uh, input from other people, I, I mean, I definitely support that, like that method of you know finding out what what it is your possible player base would want. But you know, just taking everything, you know, with a grain of salt or whatever, and you know, making the game you're still gonna make, right? Like, and that's usually what they do too. It's like, yeah, in the end, it's like this is what we think is right. And it may have a little bit of what you want, and it may have a little bit of what you want, talking to pro and casuals. But in the end, I believe that everyone's going to like it. And, you know, sometimes it's a hit or miss. Usually with Blizzard, is usually a hit. Um, they've got this question here, which is directly down the line of what we're talking about. Uh, Shaq News asks, <clears throat> are you playtesting a game with pro and casual gamers simultaneously? And Dustin Browder says, sometimes... We do a lot more casual testing for the campaign, which, of course, more casual players would be playing the, the single player as opposed to the multiplayer. Uh, and he says, and we do that simultaneously. So we'll have guys on strike teams that have never played an RTS before, and guys on strike teams that have played way too many RTS games. Um, and he says, for the multiplayer, what we tend to do is focus on making it great for the hardcore and then finding ways outside of the game for the casual guy to learn and get his feet wet. And then he compares it to, wow, it says, just like level 80 rating is not designed for the casual, but the 1 to 79 kind of is, uh, we don't have the advantage of that kind of tiering in StarCraft 2. So we have to find other ways to get that done. Then this part here is a really cool feature that they're going to put into um, <clears throat> for StarCraft 2. Uh, first, he says that for matchmaking, they're going to try and improve that and help against guys who like re-roll and just try and build their record up by destroying casual players and it looks like they're casual but they're not that kind of thing um, but then they have a a casual league that lets you play at like regular difficulty on anti-rush maps so that people can have the time to build a base and all that stuff then they have a challenge mode that's coming in the game where you can play certain things that focus on a particular multiplayer strategy and his example is uh, like each one of these 5 to 10 minute missions says here's how you use hotkeys by the way we've turned off the button so you're going to have to use hotkeys to do this 
and then he says we'll score you you can't really lose but we'll just score you better and better and at a certain point it'll say you know what that's good enough you've learned basic hotkeys good for you now go use them or hey you know what you need to learn the resource you need to make these five things in the next 10 minutes unless your resource in a full capacity is never going to work if you're floating 3,000 minerals and not spending it you're going to lose this mission so practice once you've got this challenge down you'll be ready for some serious economy building in the game or here's how you use some of the counters or here's how you do some basic micro and micromanagement and it helps casual players understand what some of these more hardcore things are and increase their experience in the game uh, and I kind of compare this direct well, not directly but indirectly to um, you know the game that just came out from Arc Systems uh, Blaze Blue Climate Trigger right their limited edition came out with an instructional DVD oh, and that, that DVD has uh, tutorials and strategies on how to play this game which technically in America is brand new uh, you know people in Japan have been playing it on their home consoles and arcades for a while it probably came out in arcades here, but I haven't never, have never seen it. But for somebody like me, which I, I wish I did get the limited edition, uh, that DVD would be essential because they, the, the game is so unorthodox. Like there are certain things that are in the game that you're not used to, and this DVD would help ease you into it. And then you can learn combos and strategies, and instead of just getting a move list and like, um, oh, I, I guess you could do this with that and this, and you get into multiplayer, you get your ass kicked. Uh, so, you know, that challenge was a really cool addition to the game. And, uh, you know, Pete, you can feel free to talk about anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I was going to say that that is really cool. Like, I would definitely, as a, okay, as a hardcore gamer, but a casual StarCraft player, mm -hmm. I would definitely use those um, and try to learn from them. I can't imagine, like, actual casual StarCraft people, like, just casual casual people using them. Because the way I, like, in my head, when a casual person says them to play StarCraft, they're just like, okay, just going to plop it in, play, you know, a multiplayer match against my friends, and that'll be that for, you know, till the next time we're ready to play. I don't think, like, casual people, like, spend time with the campaign or, uh, like, I don't think they would spend time with these, uh, like, training missions, because, like, if they're already on the same level footing with their friends, like, it's like they don't need to be better, you know? Uh, hmm. You know, there are people like that, but I think that they're, at the same time, in the same, like, handful of casual players, there are those people who always want to beat their friends, and they always want to kind of get that edge, and, like, they'll learn how to hotkey so they can be faster than their friends secretly i guess i mean like i just when back when like i used to play original starcraft and stuff like i'm sure there were some resources i could have went out to find out how to play better and stuff but like even though like i generally wasn't like i want to I, I i wasn't on complete equal footing with my friends i don't think i've ever actually won a match <laughs> um but uh i never really concerned myself with getting better because there's like you know it was just Star. The original StarCraft to me was I never even played the original StarCraft campaign, so like oh. I might have to go back and play it before StarCraft Two campaigns start rolling out. But um, the original StarCraft to me was what I just said. It was kind of just uh, like pop it in, play a like a quick multiplayer match with some friends, and then move on to something else. Like it was never something that like uh, I don't know. It wasn't like the end all be all for like RTS and gaming and stuff for me, like multiplayer gaming and stuff for me. So like. Uh, I didn't need to devote any extra time to being better at it. 
It's so like that's what I'm just saying. It's like it's like they're putting in they're gonna, they put in all these cool features and stuff. I just can't I I can't figure I can't think about how much they'll actually get used by the people that they would want to use them. But hey, as long as they're there, you know, at least they, people have the option and ability to go learn that stuff. And I just think it's cool. True. Um, and like and I said, I probably would use it because I would want to be better now (laughs) yeah true i remember when i was in college and i was uh living in my fraternity house and the biggest thing to do well there are two big things to do uh, in terms of computer gaming one was play worms people would play worms like all day just like you'd hear people cackling and crying and laughing between the three floors that we had people living in and that the second thing that we do is play starcraft and we had all kinds of massive, like, eight-player games that lasted two, three hours. And people, you know, getting eliminated in the beginning. And then you got these forged alliances that are oftentimes broken in the middle. And there was a really big, like, rivalry slash camaraderie with um, the people in my fraternity house. And I could definitely see how the challenge mode would help increase the competitive nature of everybody in the house. So I'm pretty sure there will still be situations like that when StarCraft II comes out because you know, there's always people in college who will be like killing their entire college networks playing StarCraft. Um, now, the other cool thing that I really, really kind of pointed at this interview for was this <clears throat> feature that they're adding into the single campaign uh, to help make the single-player campaign unique. And uh, did you uh, read any of this? This was actually in the Kotaku article that I in, that it references this yes. news article. Um, and I'm just gonna do a. I'm gonna go straight to what Dustin Browder was talking about, and what he says is, uh, you know, there's this mentality sometimes that uh, if you now I start to quote, uh, if you get a mission you can't beat, I guess you'd better take it back. You know that type of. Oh, I'm playing this game. I can't really get through somewhere. I, I don't even bother with playing the game. And and actually, you know, I was reading some other things last night. People were talking about like Final Fantasy IV uh, and the After Years and things like that. And this one guy was complaining that Final Fantasy IV DS was impossible once you got to the moon. And there was a certain point where he just sold the game back and looked at the ending on YouTube. And to which I said pussy, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> everybody has their own I have a sim- like similar story kind of like uh I it was with Final Fantasy 9 yeah um I uh played through, all the way up to the end and I couldn't I, I don't know if it was the last boss or just near the end that I just couldn't like progress anymore like my characters just weren't good enough mm-hmm. and for some reason like I don't remember if there was if it was impossible for me to go grind out or or something or what I don't think it should have been impossible. I remember the end of Final Fantasy IX. There was like a big dungeon at the end, and then you fought the two last bosses. But um... yeah, like I can't remember exactly what happened, but basically I couldn't beat the game for some reason, mm-hmm. and I was gonna just not like I was like at a loss then because I don't, I don't, I don't, YouTube wasn't around then, and like I didn't really have any other way to see the ending. Um, I mean, I'm sure I could have found something online, but I was just like, well, fuck, I'm not going to get to see the ending. So, like, I actually had to play off my friend's save, um, <laughs> who was, like, uh, had a save uh, near the end as well. He had already beaten the game. I think he just had left the save. Right. And so I was able to actually play off of his save and at least see the ending of the game. Um, That's not so but, bad. 
Yeah, but I mean, at least completed the content. It's just that you couldn't beat the boss, and then you wound up beating the boss anyway. It's just that right. you kind of had jacked stats. Yeah, I mean, if he if his save hadn't been there, though, I don't know what I would have done because I, I can't remember exactly how because this was like way back when now. Yeah, it was like um, ninety nine or something. Yeah, like, like I can't remember exactly what the reason was why I wasn't able to beat it. But if his save hadn't been there, I would have been pretty much screwed, and I probably would have just moved on to something else and never have actually never had actually beaten the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have this um similar kind of thing, which I think this is kind of warranted. But then in retrospect, I feel like there's still some fault on my end. Uh, with Final Fantasy III for the DS, they set up the last part of the game that there's this entire chunk of content at the end from one point to the end where you cannot save. And there was actually a save point in the original game, but they took it out because they felt like it would make the game too easy. So I didn't know this, and I get to the last boss and I get decimated, and I lose two hours worth of, um, you know, experience leveling and gear getting and you know because you get all like ultimate weapons and stuff like that and it was a really long dungeon and then to get to the last boss uh the i don't know if you, well i'm not gonna spoil it but there's things that you have to do before you get to the last boss so that you don't immediately get decimated uh-huh so all of that progress was lost and i was like hell no i'm not doing this again so i shelved <laughs> the game and i I, I'm I'm gonna go back to it because I feel okay. Well, there is an opportunity to backtrack. And granted, okay, yeah, the next time I'm ready to go fight the boss, I have to go through this entire dungeon again. But I don't have to go and uh, do all the other requirements before I have to fight the last boss on equal footing. So at least I, I can deal with that. Although Final Fantasy III is a very very difficult game to play at the end. I will put the time into making sure my characters are of sufficient level to survive so that I don't lose all that progress. But if it was anybody else playing this game and they experienced that, they probably would have sold the game. They're like, fuck this, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the back to the article, uh, Dustin Browder says, uh, he's thinking of, with the take it, you can't take it back anymore. He's thinking of times when you could take games back to the store after you bought it and you know i remember times like this you could buy like a nintendo game and play a little bit you didn't like it so you could take it back to the store get a refund or get another game which was cool but now people copy shit so can't do that no more uh he says but you were just stuck right and that's terrible but now if you get stuck you can go i'm gonna go i'm gonna come back to this one i'm gonna go uh get myself something powerful and come back here and make this one suffer at the same time, he thinks, players that they learned, obviously, in StarCraft, they learned a lot, obviously, in the original StarCraft, uh, and he says, and I think this team learned even more in WarCraft 3 in terms of the kinds of mechanics that you're going to get in this campaign, the kinds of things you're going to be doing in missions, I think is pretty cool stuff that maybe players aren't quite prepared for. And, for example, he says, we've got a mission right now where every five minutes lava rises and kills everything on the ground. Everything dies. You've got to get to high ground or die. We've got a mission right now where infested Terrans are attacking at night, but they're hiding in the ground by day, so you just need to hold out all night long like you're in I Am Legend, which I thought, that's freaking awesome. Like, I've got to live, and then day, get them, kill them while they're asleep. And you run out and burn everything as fast as you can, and when darkness starts coming, you have to get back and hide out. 
Uh, and then he says, we've got missions where you're trying to defend a Terran colony that's getting infested one piece at a time. And you've got to try and put out all these fires while fighting off these infested units. We've got this mission where you are a lone ghost trying to influence the course of an entire battle. Which kind of seems a little like 24 to me. Uh, <laughs> so each of these missions is like a little mini game. Like a little 15 to 45 minute mini game. You know, there's, he also says like later on, I'm pretty much uh, off of the interview here, but they're going to be having as many unique quests like that as possible, but there's probably going to be some stuff that's like repeated and, and you can't really help that. But I think that that's something really to look forward to for StarCraft 2, at least even for the Terran campaign, because the Zerg and the Protoss campaigns are going to build upon that type of thing and they're probably going to add even more new features and new ideas for the single player campaign in those. Um, and you know, I, I really think that those kinds of ideas are really cool. Yeah, I mean, that definitely sounds hot to me. I definitely am more interested in playing the campaigns now because, I mean, RCS campaigns to me have always been kind of dull and just kind of, it's like, it's, it's not even like, it's not even like, I was going to say it's like multiplayer against the computer, but it's not even that. Like, it's just uh, like a really simple task and like they'll like, try to limit you in some way or something like oh here's your no you know here's a group of guys surrounded like you have no base and you gotta like you know go take out the enemies or Mm -hmm. you know uh it's always like these like little preset things that like weren't very fun or interesting to me um and uh like so whenever i would play like rts games and stuff instead of playing single player campaigns if i was wanted to practice or didn't have something to play with i would just play skirmishes like so at least I would be kind of playing the multiplayer mode and like practicing for that rather than like wasting my time with the campaign. Now, I mean, from what I hear, you know, sometimes the story, the stories can be kind of interesting and apparently Starcraft story can be, is kind of interesting. So I kind of wish I had played through that campaign, but most RTS stories aren't like anything, you know, to write home about. Um, but, uh, this does definitely makes it like if they can vary it up enough and have a lot of cool, like neat little things like this, then, uh, I would definitely be interested in playing the campaign if you know, if if it's like this type of mechanic every like, you know, three or four missions, then it might kind of get old quickly. But uh, I don't know. Like I'm definitely willing to give uh, like, like I'm I'm like willing to uh change how I feel feel about RTSs based on how StarCraft comes StarCraft Two comes out. And hopefully other people will follow suit because I, I mean I I completely understand where you're coming from with the uh, RTS themes. It's like okay, you get a base, build up money, defeat the enemy, or get a base, build up money, take this point. You have limited guys, get from point A to point B, or save yeah. this guy, or escort this guy, or you know just your regular standard war tactics. But now it's like they're putting in uh, environmental elements. And then they're putting in themes based on other things that are not necessarily military related. And that that definitely adds some spice to something that's, you know, usually as bland as an RTS where most of the time in RTS, no matter which RTS you buy, it's build up real big, destroy the enemy. Um, And in addition to building up real big and destroying the enemy and sometimes you know you get destroyed and you 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 die and then you come back from the grave sometimes (laughs) you come back from the grave is something different like egm segue (laughs) um 
so yeah, our next uh, news article is a reference to EGM uh, from Kotaku. Uh, apparently, EGM is going to come back, but it's going to do things a little differently. And according to Steve Harris, who's the new owner and the old owner of uh, EGM, he says, first and foremost, we're planning to incorporate digital content within the magazine. This includes professionally produced video, audio, and other types of content. We're also going to make this content fully transportable. And that's the key thing. Uh, there's now a heightened consumer interest in the transportability of information and using applications to do things like read content on an iPhone. We benefit not only from the technology, but from the consumer's willingness to use it, which is always the case. The new Electronic Gaming Monthly will let you take your magazine and its content from print to computer to wireless devices, even to your television, as well as enable subscribers and single copy purchasers to enhance that experience every step of the way. We are embracing that reality and will enable it and encourage it. Um, this seems like, I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but it seems like they're going to pack in a CD with the magazine and on the CD there's going to be um, you know, the magazine. I, I don't know what else they would do because they haven't really revealed how they're going to do it. What do you think that possibilities of ways to transport print information to electronic sources or electronic devices? Um, I'm not sure I was going to say like, any, like I don't know how they're going to do it either. The only way I could think of in my head like would be um, as opposed to, you know, thinking of in other parts <laughs> to think of in my head. Uh, but, uh, like, if it came with, like, an SD card or something? Nah, that's probably not going to happen because that's 20 times more expensive than... Yeah, than like, disc. I don't I don't really know. I mean, like, is it going to be, like, a, a throwback to old, like, you know, packing a game demo type of thing where it, like, comes with a big fucking CD? <laughs> I mean, who knows? Um, but uh, I was going to just say that, like... I don't know if this is going. I, I'm not sure if if Steve Harris thinks that this is going to help, like uh, help res, like a resurgence in in EGM like readership and and like things like that. Because I mean, obviously EGM wasn't doing too well financially as it was, and I don't think that they're going to pull it. Like the only people who really are going to going to support this are people who are already supporting EGM before. I don't think they're going to pull in new people with this. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on what they're able to come up with, but still like if you can already get that information elsewhere, like if you have an iPhone, why do you need to go? Like, why would somebody go buy a magazine and then like, you know, get whatever this thing is and then use it on their iPhone when they can just use their iPhone and go to a website. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying. Finish. I was going to say, as, as just as another example, you know, like, why, if it's, like, a CD or something, why put it in somewhere? Like, obviously, you'd have to put it in, like, maybe your computer or something, and you have the internet right there. So, it's, like, there's always a more viable option. So, I was just going to say, I would think personally think that what they probably should do is, if they really want, like, if Steve Harris really wants EGM to, like, succeed, it'd be better to just, like, instead of focusing on a magazine, maybe focus on an online presence, and then... Uh, maybe want to, if you want to still put out a magazine, maybe have some sort of subscription model where people can subscribe to the online service and get a magazine as part of their subscription. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that, that kind of introduces its own problems in terms of cost. Yeah. Um, 
but then yeah that that's really kind of strange to me where <clears throat> you have different types of uh ways to view your media but one is usually uh better than the rest in terms of viability but i guess there's some people who would rather read a magazine in certain locations and in certain situations than be on their iPhone or be on their cell phone or their laptop or anything like that. And I can completely understand that. And I think that what they're trying to do with this is they're just trying to keep the options open. So for the same price of your magazine, even if you are in a place where you're unable to read your magazine, you're able to get that same content. Or if you're in a place where you're unable to access the internet or odds are you're probably not even accessing the internet, you probably like download it to your iPhone or whatever and then you read it off offline, you know? Yeah. Um but say you have that opportunity but you don't want to bring your magazine with you somewhere or something like that. You have that ability to access your EGM. Uh, and then there's a TV thing, which I, I don't understand how why you would use your television over your magazine. I mean, I guess there's some people who... That's like old to... school PlayStation Underground days. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, there are some people who would prefer that option over the just the reading of the magazine. But it just feels like, in my head, you're, you you want to go one way and you want to stick to that one way. So, for example, if I only had the option to read the magazine, then I wouldn't mind reading the magazine. Right. If I had the option to read the magazine and then uh, at the same time check it out online, well, I would go spend that time that I was going to use reading the magazine doing something else. And then while I'm on the internet just browsing, I'll go to that website. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, hmm? I was going to say I completely agree with that because, like, if I were to purchase a magazine, I'm purchasing it to, like, just specifically read that magazine. So I'd rather have just, like, a cheaper magazine option to just focus on reading that magazine and then when I'm done with it, be done with it. Like, I wouldn't want all that superflu- super- superfluous stuff that, like, I wouldn't really probably invest the time in like using or or whatever. Or if it is like, I mean, if it's not if it's not additional content, if it is just like crossed like media, like the same content but like in through different media, mm-hmm. like you know, like the magazine on like uh, something that you can download to an iPhone or something. Like if I had an iPhone, it's like, yeah, why would I, why would I want the same information twice? You know. Yep. Uh, so yeah, like I would just rather have a cheaper magazine to buy the magazine, read the magazine, and be done with it. Exactly. I feel the exact same way. And um speaking of being done with it, no. speaking of being done. Well, speaking of being done with it, uh I I think we're I'm going to just skip over uh what we have planned next cuz I really don't have much else. I mean, we've been talking about people doing uh things new with old type, you know, with old things. The Mega Man 9 complex. Yes, the Mega Man 9 complex, the taking something that's old and then bringing it out today as something new while retaining some of the old things but doing it in a new way, which works for some, doesn't work for others, and we have yet to see for some others. Um, but this was just an article I found on 1UP about the new Final Fantasy game that was announced recently uh, that Square Enix had a big teaser on. I guess I'm not skipping it. Um, they had a, a teaser on their website, a countdown, 
And then every couple of days, something like that, there was a, a, like a dragon popped up and then like a boy popped up on the dragon. And then there was a girl like behind the boy on the dragon. And uh, then there was some music. And then they announced in the Japanese magazines that uh, this was about a, a new game that came out. And well, that's going to come out, I should say. Uh, but I also forgot to mention that a four, a number four came up in the in the countdown and everything like that. And the game is for the DS from Square Enix called Final Fantasy Gaiden for Warriors of Light, which I guess is a side story of Final Fantasy for the DS. Uh, what it looks like it's doing is it's integrating some of the new features of Final Fantasy that have come out about the through the years, along with maybe classic style of gameplay of Final Fantasy. Uh, just in this article here, which is um, actually on 1UP's homepage, it's on Retronauts, a uh, Retronauts blog, written by Jeremy Parrish, uh, the screenshot shows an art style that looks almost like a cross between Final Fantasy 3 for DS and Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. And uh, the gameplay style looks a lot like Final Fantasy 3, but there are certain things that uh, apparently have been written about it that um, there is uh, there's been a change to so like for example in an article they say uh, forward light sounds like it has an old soul so to speak with a simple story and character development that's left largely to the player which I would assume is like uh, you can choose your class uh, you can d develop your experience and your skills the way you want as opposed to them being structured and related directly to the story uh, and then at the same time, it doesn't cling so tightly to the past that its game mechanics are taken straight from the original Final Fantasy. For example, the concept of magic points has been dropped in favor of a system that seems more action-oriented. Uh, on the other hand, it seems to be decidedly more classic RPG, in quotes, in nature than the DS Crystal Chronicles games, which it should be said it does rather resemble, which, you know, in terms of the art style and whatnot. Um, I, I think that this type of merging of old and new features is is a really welcome thing and i think that more people should do it but this is kind of a better way of handling it as opposed to say taking old assets and old locations and kind of giving them uh, a somewhat new taste by adding new characters to it such as final fantasy for the after years um you haven't played final fantasy for the after years have you no um yeah it is it, it's a highly content contended I guess subject because there are people who absolutely hate it and there are people who absolutely love it and then there are people who love it but they just can't stand certain things about it. I'll go on to talk about that a little bit later uh, after we do the news but uh, is there anything else that you want to say about this? I'm going to just make my opinion quick. I'm going to just say that the reason stuff like Mega Man 9 or Bionic Commando rearmed and stuff like reason why things like that work is because they're cheap. Um, like it's it, it, it people with nostalgia are going to pretty much like if something's like five or ten dollars like probably like pretty much buy anything um mm -hmm. and then like if it's like if it touches your nostalgia bone while still also like providing a new and interesting experience such as like Mega Man Nine it's like a really great deal and like like not a risky investment um something like this it's a square enix property on nintendo ds which means it's going to be full price and since it's square enix it's going to have that you know square enix tax probably yeah. so it's going to be like 40 bucks and i don't know if i'm going to be willing to pay 40 bucks for something like this like if it was like a WiiWare game for like 10 bucks sure what the hell i'd totally buy it True. but 
40 bucks I there's like a lot of choices out there for my $40 and I don't know how I'd feel about this but um I am all for the uh you know the the new retro style mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I definitely um, am keen on this retro style because I really enjoyed the graphic quality of Final Fantasy 3 and Final Fantasy 4 for the DS. Um, I'm definitely going to look forward to this and find a way, even if it's due to holding out, um, I'm going to get the, you know, I, I plan to get most of my Square Enix DS games for less than what they want it for because I think it's atrocious that they charge $40 for a DS game. Most third parties charge thirty dollars for a DS game, and then Nintendo charges thirty five for their first party games. Uh, speaking of Nintendo, segue, not really, <laughs> but segue. Um, <clears throat> seems like GameStop is promoting these new Wii bundles, and I actually went to the site to confirm this, but they have some really weird Wii bundles that are uh, available on their website. Uh, <laughs> essentially. There's a Wii bundle that comes with a water gun. Yes, like a little plastic water gun. And uh, there's another Wii bundle that comes with a rubber duck. Yes. A Mom, these duck. controllers aren't working. <laughs> uh, I keep squirting the TV and nothing's happening. Now, mind you, these are the same prices as regular Wii's. I do believe that it's just a Wii with, like, for example, this one is called on the website Nintendo Wii Summer Fun Bundle, uh, two forty nine ninety nine for a Nintendo Wii and a squirt gun. Uh, I don't even think that they mention it. Yeah, they mention just bundles. It's this Nintendo Wii Summer Fun Bundle includes a Nintendo Wii and a free water gun. Water gun style and color may vary. Available for online customers. This is like it's like a box of cereal with a prize inside. Exactly. And then oh, watch out because you might get that stupid like you know customer that'll buy the water gun and shoot it at the Wii and completely destroy their Wii because uh, it's on and they squirted water into it. Uh, let's hope not, but that is always a possibility. The rubber duck one is called Nintendo Wii Take a Bath with a Buddy Bundle. Yes, Nintendo Wii, take a bath with a buddy. It's the Burton Ernie bundle? It's the Burton Ernie bundle. Um, this one says, this Nintendo Wii, take a bath with a buddy bundle, <laughs> includes a <laughs> Nintendo Wii and a free rubber ducky squirt, available for online customers only while supplies. Man, they're all about squirting, aren't they? Yeah, except for this one. Uh, this is the Nintendo Wii Pirate Tattoo bundle with bonus. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Oh. All right. So the bundle says <clears throat> this Nintendo Wii Pirate Tattoo bundle includes a Nintendo Wii and a free Pirate Tattoo sleeve. Pirate Tattoo style and color may vary. Available for online <laughs> customers only. Lots of last. What does a Pirate Tattoo have to do with a Wii? There's no cross marketing. There's no associative imagery it's just a fucking pirate tattoo it's 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 not even like a real pirate tattoo it's, according to this one on the website it's like a brown strip with skulls on it and then one skull and crossbones with a headband and a pirate hat and that pirate hat makes it a pirate tattoo <clears throat> i mean this could be a death metal tattoo <laughs> if it didn't have pirate hat on it what the hell 
Hats are what make the man. Don't you know this? Yeah, apparently. Especially <laughs> if you uh, were to look at, like... Um, fat Princess. Yeah, Fat Princess. Uh, there's Wu-Tex's uh, GameSpot blog. One day, he just took a whole bunch of pictures of him wearing different hats. It, it Wait, was funny what? as hell. Wu-Tex on um, GameSpot. Yeah. He had on his blog, uh, it's probably still there if you check out <clears throat> GameSpot.com slash user slash Wootex, W-O-O-T-E-X. On one of his old blog posts, he has himself wearing a whole bunch of different hats. And he took a picture of himself wearing the hats in individual pictures. And it's just funny to see him wearing all these different kinds of hats. It was like absurd hats, like a sombrero. And uh, that's the only one I remember, but... He he's just like wearing a sombrero. He took a picture of himself with it. And see uh, when you when you see that you you look at the hat, right? Yep. Not, you look not at the, the hat, person. and it makes him look completely different. Yeah. And it makes you laugh in a completely different way, which is really weird. That's, that um, was totally tangential from the pirate tattoo, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and it completely worked. So uh, we're we're done with the news and. Uh, you know, right after these messages, we shall return we'll to our... <laughs> after what? these messages, we'll be right. We'll be right. Uh, yeah, we did that already. <laughs> um, I was really trying not to do that. Anyway, when we return, we will discuss what we've been playing very briefly, and then uh, we'll leave you to do whatever you want to do for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so welcome back. Twenty-five seconds later, we oh, are now. Oh, I'm, I'm oh. back too. Oh yes, yes, he's back. We're we're both back. And have I screwed this up yet? I I don't know. Did you? <laughs> I don't know. Have I? Let, we'll, we'll let the masses decide. Okay. Um, <laughs> we are now going to just uh, quickly discuss what we've been playing. And since there's only two of us, and I'm the host, I'm gonna have Pete talk about what he's been playing. So Pete, what oh. have you been playing, my friend? Is my thing going to lead into a discussion? I don't know. Uh, to tell you the truth, uh, due to uh, what you emailed me, I already know what you're going to talk about. And to tell you the truth, I only played about 20 minutes of it. Okay. Well, then I'll just talk. Um, so the only thing I've really gotten to play uh, over the past week was Psychonauts because I had a copy for a long, long time. I bought it when it came out on Steam. And I played it then, but I didn't have a good uh, good way of controlling it on the PC at the time. Um, I the keyboard and mouse I didn't find very comfortable to use for that game. Like action games like that, like keyboard and mouse are really only good like as well, like while they are a great like control system, are good for only certain genres like first person shooters and RTSs and stuff. True. You generally the genres that don't that don't work as well on console. But third-person action platforming games require a controller. Um, so uh, I didn't really have a good controller for the PC at that time, so I, it was hard for me to play, so I kind of just put it aside and haven't really gone back to it. Um, and then this past week, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to fucking play this game. Because so, I, I have a uh, uh, Xbox 360 controller that has a you know that plugs into the USB. Oh, the USB. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I uh, I actually specifically bought that for pur- for PC playing purposes. I should probably um, get one of those. I'm, yeah, I mean, I it, was gonna it, say I wonder if um if the plug in charge kit would work, but uh it probably would just charge the controller or kill it. As far as I've heard, it doesn't work. Okay. Um, like I don't know why. Uh, but it's a charging mechanism. <laughs> but I mean, you're still going through USB, so right. I don't. But USB can be used for different things, and if the controller is telling the USB port on the computer, "Oh, I want to charge," that's what it's going to do. Okay. Well, the, I would if if you like to use controllers for PC games, I would invest in just getting a 360 controller for the PC with the USB, because then you can still use it on your 360 anyway. Right. Um, it's an extra controller for your 360, and it is probably the best controller, personal like in my personal opinion. Um. So anyway, uh, back to my game. Yeah, so I decided to uh, play through Psychonauts from beginning to end over this past week, and uh, yeah, I, the game is awesome. I mean, everything people have you know always said about it is true. Uh, the game is brilliantly written. It's uh, challenging and fun, and like it just it's an all around like entertaining, great fun. Super experience. Um, I would just basically say the same thing everyone else has always said. If you haven't played Psychonauts, it's a game that should be played. <laughs> uh, I'm going to actually complain about one thing though. Um, without giving too much too much away, I don't want to give away spoiler stuff because of what is going to happen before the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, they it falls into the classic trap of. Um, you know, doing all this stuff throughout the game, like training you to do, like to expect certain things, to play the game a certain way, um, and uh, it does actually change certain things up. Like, like the basic. I'm sure people understand. People listening to this would know what the game is about, but you know, you go into different people's minds, and then the mind, the the levels are these people's like you know thoughts and like stuff like that. Um, so, uh, like. Based on that, like the vi- environments and and levels can vast vastly be de- be vastly different, uh, but it's still in essence the same basic gameplay. Uh, and then the game falls into the trap of at the end of the game switching up that gameplay to be a uh, you know like a race type mechanic, you know like like equivalent to Halo's you know gotta escape the stuff or like uh, Super Metroid gotta escape the bomb blowing up, you know. Except um, it's a completely different gameplay mechanic. Right. Is that what you're saying? <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it's like, I mean, it's still platforming. That's what the whole game is. The whole game is platforming, so it's not different in that. It's just that you never really, throughout the entire game, you never really had a pressure of time constraint or like so, like, so much tension and, um, like, just, just focusing strictly on the platforming. Uh. Like, so the like final area like not the final final area of the game but pretty much the final area is kind of like that so that was like it was so fucking hard that i literally almost stopped playing the game <laughs> uh, like cuz i was just like redoing repeating the same little section over and over and over and over again and it got to the point where i was i was literally screaming at my computer i was like not fun fucking hard <laughs> and like i wanted to just throw my fucking controller and it's been a while since the game has made me want, want made me want to do that but everything up until that point in the game wasn't like even if it was challenging it never got to the point where i was like that like that angry um it was just this la- like last little section 
but uh despite that like once i got th- once i eventually got through it like i mean it was so damn hard that i wasn't like oh i feel accomplished for succeeding past that point no i was just like thank god it's fucking over yeah, um no, that feeling. and then i got to enjoy like you know the the little bit that was after that and stuff and then like the conclusion of the game which uh Again, I don't want to like I don't want to spoil something, but I do want to say something. So I guess if you don't want to hear this part, stop listening. I don't know. It's not really spoilers per se, but uh, the game does end in a way where it tries to leave it open for a sequel. Oh, and that's not it, that bad. That that made me kind of sad though. Oh cause, yeah, because there's no sequel. It reminds me of like Shenmue or Shining Force Three. Right. It's, it's well, like, Shenmue. Hmm? I was gonna say Shenmue, I hated. <laughs> I love Psychonauts. So. Oh, but wait, you mean you hated the game Shenmue? Yeah, like so. Yeah, I I, I, I know ending. what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Go ahead. Um, yeah, that's all. Shenmue two ended in a way that was like, oh man, I really wish there was a Shenmue three so I can continue. And then Shining Force three ended in such a way that you said, oh man, I really wish Shining Force three parts two and three were gonna be released in North America. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just to quickly continue on my little tangent here about Shenmue, uh, Shenmue, um, I, like, I didn't play two, but I played the first one, and obviously, with even with the first one, it, you know, it definitely, it was planned for more, so, like, right. it ends, like, it doesn't even, like, it doesn't even end with a to-be-continue, it just, like, kind of ends. <laughs> it's yeah, like, and you, it, it's it like, you know there's with, another one coming. There's more to go. <laughs> yeah, but I really disliked that game so much that I was like, you know, I don't give a fuck, I'm just glad this game's over. Oh, um, man. Whereas Psychonauts, I really loved. Cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, like, from the little bit that you have played of it, did you enjoy it? And would you ever consider, like, going back and finishing it? Uh, well, I played it on GameTap. And ah. I played it with keyboard and mouse because uh, I'm just too lazy to get my controller. I actually have a Logitech wireless controller. It's in one of my boxes. Uh-huh. And... It's a really good controller, you know. It's a, say it's like a PlayStation form factor. Yeah. And the analog sticks work really well, and the D-pad works awesomely. And I played a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of Final Fantasy XI with that controller. Uh huh. Uh, the only thing is, like, I wonder if I have the same controller because I have a, I think I have a Logitech that's a PlayStation form factor. Yeah, it was like the wireless game pad. Mine's not wireless, like but uh. Yeah, they had a wired version too. Okay, I might have that, but um, that I did tr- just re- as a quick, uh, mm-hmm. quick note on that. Like, if it's if it is the same, or at least in in aesthetic aesthetics, it sounds like mine is the same. Um, the uh, like playing for some reason, like what back when I first tried Psychonauts, that was a controller I did have always had for the PC, kind of, and like I couldn't that not blah blah blah. I started the game trying mouse and keyboard. And wasn't happy with it. So then I tried using this controller, the the one that I have, um, that's like a Logitech or whatever, and that also did not work to satisfactorily. Um, really? I don't know why, but I couldn't get comfortable with that either. Now, just because we're talking about controllers real quick, I do want to yeah. say that with the 360 controller, like... It may have only been satisfactory to me because I, you know, since I have the 360 again, I've been using a 360 controller a lot, so it may have just like felt comfortable enough because I've been using the controller a lot. But the key, the the key mappings in the game, uh, do still make it like a little bit awkward, um, because you can't map the uh, the bottom triggers uh. for some reason. Um, so your key, your uh, button options are kind of limited. 
um, I was pretty much able to map, like, you know, like, get my movement and direction on my analog sticks and get my major buttons on my, you know, face buttons. But then you kind of need additional buttons for your psychic powers. Um, so, like, I kind of had to, uh, you're supposed, like, theoretically you should have, uh, you should be able to, like, use three psychic powers at a time, like, with three easy button presses. But since I was now limited because I couldn't use the triggers, I kind of had to keep opening a radial menu to uh, switch whatever my active psychic power was with one uh, bumper button and then use the other bumper to, to act, you know, activate that psychic power. So that in itself was a little bit cumbersome and, you know, like slowed down the pacing of the game and stuff because I had to constantly keep open. It was, it's like playing Bioshock, you know, you keep opening your radial menu to change your plasmids and stuff. Right. Um, so it's like, in essence, sort of similar to that. Um now, with your controller, if you're able to map, you know, all the buttons, it probably would actually be an easier experience than what I had. But even with the limitation of that, like, it didn't really detract from the experience. And like I said, for some reason, the Xbox 360 controller was just, for even with that limitation, it was still the most comfortable thing I've pl- been able to play the game with so far. Uh, and, like, that's what made me be able to get through it. But keep going. I totally interrupted you saying what you were saying. I was saying something? <laughs> oh, yeah, You were yeah, saying about, about how you... Yeah, yeah. Um, I played with keyboard and mouse, and I think I, I didn't have much time to play the game, so I only got halfway through the training, and I thought the game was really cool, but the, it just didn't grab me, and I think that what I might have to wind up doing is get the, if it's even still available, uh, because I know Xbox Originals was pulled from the 360 lineup. But I think it might be integrated Wait, they with did? something else. Yeah, it was pulled. Um, either it was pulled or they're discontinuing it. I think it, it may not be pulled yet because they're coming out with something else. Oh, with you know they're coming out with the feature where you can download com- complete games, 360 games. Right. I think that they're gonna merge it into that. But oh, they okay. definitely discontinued the um, Xbox Originals lineup. Okay. Uh, which may mean that you know I might have to get Psychonauts for that, depending on. But I don't know if they have a demo for Steam for uh, Psychonauts for Steam, but I would definitely like to try it on the computer first, or try it somewhere for free, so that I can make a, a better decision. I might even wind up getting it like off of eBay for Xbox, and it may be even cheaper than going the Xbox Originals route. Um, well, you know what Tim Schafer says. What does Tim Schafer say? He says he would rather people go out and like torrent or you know pirate the game and then go to his go to Double Fine's website and buy like a T-shirt or something because they make they actually make money off of that whereas they won't actually make money off of game sales anymore. Oh, of course not. Um, that and that sounds like a pretty cool idea. Um, never actually thought about it like that. I mean, um, it's still not legal, and you know, even though he the developer himself is saying to go do it, it's still technically not legal and. But yeah, I, well, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't torrent it. I'm saying I I may go to eBay and purchase it for a couple of dollars, and then you know, out of my uh, happiness for the product, I would definitely go and support Double Fine uh, with buying <clears throat> some merch that they make all the money off of. Yeah, my, I'm gonna support them by buying Brutal Legend. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, Brutal Legend. I would definitely be getting just because I'm a metal fan, but. Like he says, you know, they're not exactly making all the money off of the uh, the game product. But anyway, I digress. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really get too far in Psychonauts, and I, I did enjoy what I played, though. Um, it's just that I need to find some 
time you know i need to actually own the game so i can play it on my own pace which is extremely 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 slow yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh did you play anything else the only i mean the only thing i've played was uh a few like xbox live arcade games um i played some more castlevania symphony of the night after uh after last week's podcast i don't know if you if you had listened to it but uh i had mentioned uh that i was playing that Mm -hmm. and uh so i played a little bit more of that and I'm dumb because in last week's episode, I, I was like, what, I couldn't remember what the first like first boss that you came across was. And I said, what was it, a pterodactyl? When it actually is a lizard and a bat, and the bat picks up the lizard guy. And so like that's probably why in my head I thought it was a pterodactyl. Because <laughs> it's a flying lizard. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I had gotten back to that point, past that point, made it a little far, further into the castle and uh, got killed. And so put put away the the game because like the there's some stretches in that game where like you go without a save point um and unless you are unless you know where the save points are you could you know wander to an area where it just is too difficult for you and you get slaughtered really um, i mean i haven't played symphony night in a long time i i played to the pretty much the middle point of the game and uh-huh. i mean i guess maybe because i'm seasoning these kind of games because you know i played every single castlevania um you know metroid style game or symphony night style game that's come out I have really had much of a problem with it. And then even when I played Symphony Night, I didn't see much of a difficulty problem, but maybe they uh, did something with the placement of enemies and difficulty in live version? No, I don't think they changed anything. I think the problem is, that, like, maybe for me, is that like it's definitely one of, those, one of those things where it's like back in the day when I was young and like with a game like Super Metroid, which I absolutely love, uh, the... Um, the, that was when that game was out. That was like it was one of those times when you know you only had like a few, like you'd only get like a few games a year. So like at mm-hmm. that time, Super Metro was my only game. So and you it did, it completely. Yeah, yeah. It didn't matter how difficult it was. I like had nothing else to play, so I would just keep. If I died and had to backtrack a bit, then I would just keep plugging away at it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, like I don't think it's like. It's probably not like any more difficult or like especially hard or anything like that. And the save points probably aren't that far between, but. Like with my attention span being more limited now and my options being greater, it's like that. What happened was I had saved at one point. I played for about another twenty minutes, or maybe not twenty minutes. It may have only been like ten, but it may have felt yeah, like twenty. Either 10 way, ten minutes is like um, I need a save point. But yeah, like halfway to the next save point. Yeah, like and then like I died, and I was like, well, I don't feel like redoing that. Like that bit of time so I moved on to play something else yeah, um, I get you. but uh yeah so I played a little bit of that played, probably played some other random stuff like the Magic the Gathering game on the 360 which uh, like I still attest is like not as good as I was hoping it would be because it's too limited in it's deck construction and stuff and mm-hmm. uh, so I played some more Magic online but I'm not going to uh, Magic is not going to become my new Pokemon where I talk about it every week <laughs> um, for uh yeah, for for fans of Game Slays Radio, when I used to talk about Pokemon every week. <laughs> oh, and of course your your old trilobites. We used to talk about Pokemon. Oh yeah, I did that too. <laughs> but you don't you don't really. I guess you stopped playing it. No, I mean I play like maybe like five minutes like a week. Like I'll put it in. It's Pokemon is a podcast game for me. If I'm listening to a podcast and have nothing else to do, mm-hmm. like I'll put it on because I don't need the sound to play Pokemon. True. Um, but since I've been playing Matt, like since. Since I've gotten back a 360, and since I've gotten into Magic Online again, like playing certain Xbox Live Arcade games, like uh, 
I'm still plugging away at uh, another random game I played was N plus. So I'm, like I was trying to. I, I, back when I had N plus a while ago, I beat all the standard missions and opened up the expert missions um, or expert levels, whatever. And so I never actually beat those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like every once in a while, I'll throw on N plus and try to do those and like fail miserably. So uh, I'll like do that for like five minutes and move on to something else. But like yeah, anyway, um. So since I have like that and I bought Ticket to Ride and stuff, I have other games that are now options for me to play while listening to a podcast. So like I haven't picked up like aside from like me like five minutes a week, I haven't really picked up and like dug deep into Pokemon in a while. Right, I get you, I get you. Um, what was that? What have you been playing? I have been playing. Uh, the world ends with you. Um, I'm trying to finish that game and Igri Union by the 15th. You know, by the time I leave for my trip, so that I can bring something else and not kind of <laughs> leave these games behind. But now nah, I, I know that this is the fourth, and that means. Are you I gonna have... get in trouble for bringing your DS? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna get in trouble for bringing my DS. It's always gonna be downtime or whatever, and there's of course the flight, which. Uh, Miss Lady says she's going to be sleeping on anyway, so what better way to spend my three hours than plugging away at some RPG or action game or something. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, brings me to think about what I'm going to actually bring, but at that I don't really know. Um, Do you have games sitting around that have been waiting to be played? Zillion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A a good number of my games are... uh, sitting waiting for me to be played waiting for me to be played right waiting for me to play them and uh, a lot of them are like really tough games which is you know because that's my pension I like to play like really hard throw your controller uh, against the wall and really be pissed off but continue trying after you fix your controller games (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I am almost done with I guess the second uh, quarter of the world ends with you and it's getting pretty deep like this some stuff going on that i feel don't talk hmm? i was gonna say don't 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 talk too heavily about story because i'm definitely at some point going to pick up that game again and uh play through because after you've been talking about it so much i've been jonesing to play it again i just can't can't afford to go buy it right now but um yeah i'm definitely not going to speak anything about the story because it's everything that i'm seeing is just such you know story oriented that if I was to talk about even one thing that I saw so far it'd be a big spoiler yeah um, but things are getting really deep and I'm it, it makes me continue to play because I want to see how these things are turning out um, I haven't played Adrian in a couple of days but that game is um, pretty crazy just in terms of the the way the strategy poses itself and then I was reading because I I don't know where I put the manual, so I had to figure out some things from game facts like how certain uh, things like equipping items works. Because if you have an item equipped to a character, you can't equip another item until the item that's currently equipped kind of you goes through its duration. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So I didn't know that. And I had to find that out off the game facts, but then like I inadvertently found out that there's even more deepness to the um, battle system other than unions where uh, you either put your people in a cross shape if the attacking person is a female or an X shape if the attacking person is male. Uh, But that's something neither here nor there right now. Uh, I have also been playing uh, Okami Okami for the Wii. 
Uh-huh. And that seems to be like my podcast game now because I don't really need the the sound for that since everything is text driven in terms of dialogue, and uh, that's just a game you can really relax and just kind of chill out in, which is really crazy. Um, but I've been playing that a little bit uh, here and there, like a couple hours. I think I'm about ten hours into that, and I'm also playing Final Fantasy IV: The After Years, which I'm not really going to talk much about because I wrote a big blog on Gamespot about it. Just about how the people who I feel are hating on the game, but they haven't seen the complete product yet. Uh, but at the same time, their their qualms are like just justified. It's it's a weird double-edged sword kind of thing. But I had finished both of the offerings that they have recently. Uh, they have the regular game, and then they have a one downloadable tale. The there are three downloadable tales coming out on Monday which uh, I've been patiently waiting for. But in reading other people's blogs and reviews and whatnot, I found out that there are challenges. Where basically, after you finish the game, you go into whatever chapter you finished, and you speak to Naming Way, which he changed his name to Challenging Way. Uh, that's a, kind of like a ode to Final Fantasy IV DS, where Naming Way, he didn't change your name in the game. I don't know if you ever played the original Final Fantasy IV for Super Nintendo. No, actually, no. I haven't. Um, in Final Fantasy IV for Super Nintendo, you were able to change all the characters' names. But then when they came out with the remake for DS, they kept everybody's names because there was voice acting. And instead of having Naming Way as a Moogle that can change your name, he just kept doing things. And if you kept following him around, he'd change his name and then you would get something special if you kept following him to certain points in the game. And you got to the end, and you get something special. But in the after years, he changed his name to Challenging Way, and then when you finish the game, uh, whatever chapter you finish, you go back to him, and he sends you on this special dungeon, which uh, is not available in... You know, it's not a rehash of an existing dungeon. Right. But everything is super hard, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was playing this morning, and I finished one dungeon... Uh, which is it, the, the based on the first three chapters of the game, which is the what the one you buy for eight hundred points. Uh huh. So you have a nice, well-rounded group of people. Uh, you know, you basically you have four people in your party, and I'm not gonna say who, but you have a lot of strength and a lot of defense in this party. But there's two floors. There's like it's it's like an ancient castle kind of thing, and there's the main floor which has some tough enemies, and then there's the underground section, which has enemies that have to be like 10 levels over you. And I I would just get annihilated as soon as I got into the second half, but then I kind of persisted, and I figured out ways to just kind of get through it. Like no matter what, those enemies are 10 levels ahead of you? No, no, I think that just according to where you are when you finish the game. If you oh, okay. Grind, like, I mean, you can essentially grind on the enemies on the first level for a really long time and kind of gain levels to not be so dominated once you get to the second part because it just seems like you're completely outclassed from one step to the other. Like you're doing all right, you're managing, you're learning how to how to beat the enemies in certain ways while keeping your people alive or resurrecting people when they die because a lot of times that's inevitable. They hit you so hard. Uh-huh. But then you go and you step down into the next level and the very first fight, you're dead. It, it, that's just how tough they are. And yeah. I, I realized I had the game set, you know, I usually put the game set on the fastest speed. But in these dungeons, you cannot play on the fastest speed because they move so much faster than you that you'll be scrambling like, 
oh, I want to attack. Oh, shit, I got to heal. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. So um, I actually managed to finish that. Uh, and what happens is that the loot changes every time you go into the dungeon. So you finish it, and then you go back to challenging where you go and do it again, and you get something new for finishing it, and then there's other treasures scattered around that you can get that changes every time you go in. Then I played on uh, the first download request, which only gives you two characters, and none of them can heal. So you have to really make efficient use of potions and whatnot. But it's considerably easier because the characters are slightly lower level and there's only two. But then that same jump happens. You go... Uh, but this jump is different because uh, in this... You haven't played Final Fantasy IV, but this is part in Final Fantasy IV. You get into this cave and 90% of the doors are traps. And you know this because you walk to the door and it doesn't open automatically, so you have to press A on the door and it says, like, the trap door attacks, or the door attacks, or something like that, right? Okay. So you have to fight the door. This happens in <clears throat> this bonus level. Every single door is a trap door. Oh. Now, to some people, that would be annoying, but it's really easy to beat. Because um, what happens is that the trap door comes out, and if you just let it run its course, it'll target somebody, and then it'll kill them, and then it'll summon a monster. But you can stop all that because you have somebody who can just stop the door from moving. And then you just kill the door while it's frozen. That's the strategy. Oh, okay. So the doors aren't a problem. But the random battles will kill you. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, don't get into a random battle in this dungeon unless you've done some grinding. Or maybe you'll get lucky. Like, I've made it really far. I made it, I guess, to a halfway point because there was a save point in the middle of the dungeon. And in the other uh, ancient castle dungeon with the four people that I was talking about before, there's no save point. There's only just two levels, and it's kind of short. But this other one, it, it's kind of a little bit longer because of the fact that every door that you get into is a fight. And then also, um, there's a boss in Final Fantasy IV that's a wall, and it keeps closing in on you as um, you fight it, and it attacks you and stuff like that. You have to beat it before it closes in on you. Uh, there's some of those in the game, but they're not that hard either, which is good. But, like I said, you can be killing all these trapdoors and all these trap walls, and next thing you know, you get to a random fight, and they, it's four guys against your two, and they hit you so fast that by the time you're able to get a spell off or an attack off or even throw a potion up, you're dead. And I, I think it's frustrating. A lot of people would be turned off by it. But for me, it's just, uh, how do I figure out how to finish this with what I have? I know it's possible. Because it's not like I get killed before I can make a move. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I usually do is I try and figure it out, which is cool. But that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, uh, just to top it off, I finished. Finished? No, I didn't finish anything. Um, I played a little braid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you I, did? Yeah, I played a little braid, a little bit of World Six, and I think I'm missing like four pieces now. Um, but World Six is kind of weird with the the whole uh, the the time changing aspect of that world and um, some of the puzzles are kind of difficult just for playing late at night because I was playing like 3 o'clock in the morning something like that Yeah, uh, but I, I'll probably figure them out like if I play when my mind is actually a little more active but I, I See, found that pretty interesting the, the mechanic I, I was going to say to me it seems like I mean obviously I don't have the experience of playing Braid the way other people have like, like you where you've played it in chunks but like I'm wondering if I had such like like I don't okay. I don't want to say easy, but like I wonder if I like had like an easier time um, because I did play it all in one sitting. Like you know, you it, since it progressively like 
adds more to the time changing elements as you go world to war world to world world like, at war world yeah as you go world <laughs> at war um no, as you go world to war world to world, world. to war <laughs> god damn it <laughs> anyway as you go uh you know it keeps adding more and more to these time changing elements so like i wonder if like because my mind you know it started like with the basic and then like as it added more my mind was able to incorporate that like if that's why i was able to just like basically flow through the game and do it all in one sitting, you know? Yeah, see, with me, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm just dumb like that. Um, there were things that I was able to figure out, and then there were things that I'm like, what the hell? I'm skipping this because I would waste too much time trying to figure out something that I had this thing in my head, like maybe I should come back with something that I get later on, and then immediately after that thought, I get the thought, no, this game is not made like that. Right. So that means... I can't figure this out right now. I'm going to move on to something else because I already have all the tools I need. I just don't have the the logic in it. Right. So that's a, like that's how come I passed World 3 before I passed World 2. And actually, I think I passed World 2 after I passed World 4. And uh-huh. I did Worlds 2, 4, and 5 in the same day. And then I'm like, oh, my God, my brain hurts. So then I stopped playing for a while and I played World 6. And I didn't understand what the hell was going on in World 6 for about five minutes. And then I said, oh, that's what this is about. And then I started <laughs> fooling around with that. But, you know, I, I think Braid is a game that it it's so weird for me. It's a game I want to play when, I'm, when I want to relax, but it makes me tired. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I played some Braid, and I'm like, you know, I got about four pieces left to the end of World 6. And then... Uh, couple of nights ago, I think it was Friday night going into, no, Thursday night going into Friday, because today's Saturday. Uh, I played Bionic Commando Rearmed, and that game, I have a lot of trouble with, because it is really tough, but uh, it's tough for me where, like, I just get frustrated and I just stop playing. And I was stuck at a certain level for weeks. Um, Area 6, if you know the game. Uh, it's a like a dock area where you have to swing over water and you have to get to certain places and then you have to climb up the building and then you beat the boss. Uh, I had gotten up to the boss this a couple in, times. Hmm? Wait, is this in Rearmed? Rearmed. I didn't actually play Rearmed. Well, I'm for listeners who may have played it. Okay. Um, it's Area 6, the docks. Uh, <laughs> area 6, colon, the docks. Exactly. Uh, that level was tough for me for a while because I kept falling into the water and I kept swinging wrong and whatnot. And I guess maybe I was just playing on an off day. And then sometimes I would get to the boss and I couldn't figure out how to beat it. Uh, then I played on Thursday night and it was just all like second nature. Like, oh, I'm swinging, I'm doing my thing, I'm on point. And I passed level six or area six. And then I passed a couple more areas. Um, and I just kind of played till I, I just kept succeeding. And I'm like, all right, let me cool off because... I know I'm going to get to a point where I just get real frustrated and stop playing. So I, I made it pretty far. Uh, there's actually a point where the, the game's actually kind of split in half because in order to get to the latter half of the game, you have to beat Area 6 uh, so you can get a permit to fly across the area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have you seen like the way the levels are structured in Bionic Commando? Um, I've seen some gameplay footage. <laughs> Oh, well, all right, you may have seen it. The, the map is a whole bunch of numbers, uh, not in order, and they're connected by lines, and you have to see the helicopter to go to each area, and then there's these little convoys, and if you hit the convoy, then you have to go on the ground and destroy the convoy before you can travel anywhere else. Have you ever seen okay. that? Okay. 
No, well, I anyway. didn't know that. Okay, uh, you start out in like area zero, and then you go like area one, and then it's like area fourteen, and things like that. It kind of splits off like that. So when you get to the middle, there's area six, but you can't get to area eight, which is diagonally up and right from it, until you beat area six. But you go anywhere else. Um, so now I'm on that other side of the game, where area eight, nine, and like ten, eleven, and twelve, or something like that. And I decided to stop after I beat Area 8 because I was just on a roll. And I was happy. I didn't want to be upset. Oh, <laughs> That game, game is freaking hard as hell. Did you know that they're coming out with a patch for that game to make it easier? Are you serious? Yeah, they're coming out with a patch for the, for Binding Commander Rearmed. It's going is to... the patch optional? No. The patch is not optional. And um, I, But I think what it does is it, it makes um, an easy difficulty. It makes normal a little easier. And then it adds a harder difficulty. Um, either it adds a harder difficulty or it makes super hard even harder. Okay. So um, it allows more people to finish the game because a lot of people, I assume, can't finish Binding Commando. Or well, I know I couldn't finish Binding Commando when it first came out on Nintendo. And I was having this hard time with Rearmed. And now I'm not having so much of a hard time anymore. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to finish this game before the patch comes out. Yeah. Hopefully it won't affect my game. Um. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else that I was playing? I don't think so, because I haven't played anything on my PC, and um, I haven't actually put any Xbox 360 games in my 360, and I haven't turned on my PS2. So right. I wanted to back up real quick for a second sure. and say something about Braid, because, again, without giving spoilers away for people who haven't played it, uh, Braid 2 apparently falls into the trap, and I hate games that do this. It um, does the thing where, like, it teaches you all these mechanics and stuff throughout the game, and then at the end of the game, it's a race against the clock type of thing. Really? Yeah. Well, are you talking about World 6 or something after World 6? Something after World 6. Ah. Oh. Um, like, again, it's the whole, like, I, I know Halo isn't the first game to have done it, but that's, like, one of the big ones that stood out in my mind, because, like, Halo is, like, a first-person shooter is the exact opposite of what you expect to, like, in the end, be like, okay, now race to the end. True. <laughs> like, I mean, you've played, there's... you've played the original Halo through, right? No, um, I actually haven't, but that's just oh, okay. because I, uh, I have Halo, and yeah, I, it's just hard for me to play. But I don't really mind being spoiled on. Well, yeah, I don't care about spoiling features. Halo because Halo's story is atrocious. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, you, like, you spend the whole time, you know, in first-person shooter mode shooting the hell out of all the, these aliens, and then at the very end, you're in a stupid uh, warthog racing away from, well, I don't remember where the hell you were, if you were on the Halo or on a sh- ship or somewhere, and you're racing through this, like, exploding, like, collapsing thing, and, like... It's completely it's it's ultra ridiculous because of the horrible handling of a warthog, but <laughs> yeah, just the, that is terrible. Yeah, just the fact that you were you know the whole game was a first person shooter and at the very end you're like just racing away. Like, I really hate games that do that. Yeah, uh, it, that reminds <laughs> me of um, Devil May Cry, the original, uh-huh. where you know the entire Devil May Cry game is a. Uh, a hack and slash, you know, action game, and then right before the end of the game, it becomes a shooter. Really? Yeah. There's a. That's um, so weird. There's a boss level that you actually fly, and you um, you you're going through something that's completely foreign to the gameplay. You've never done this before in the game. It's not like oh, 
Um, you know, there's a, a, a level in the game which you can fly in, and then they're bringing it back at the end, which they do in some games, which is okay. This is like the entire game. You're 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 running around places, hacking and slash, hacking and slash, blah blah, and then all of a sudden, you're playing Gyrus. <laughs> and I just found that extremely weird. And it's only one level. Um, it's only one level. Is it's a boss, but I had trouble with it because it was completely un- new to me. Yeah, I'm like okay. And then I beat that, and then it goes back to playing as a, a hack and slash. It's like it's almost as if they they the developers can't think of a way to like just make a challenging end game that they just like. Well, we'll just completely switch up the mechanics, and that'll be a challenge in in and of itself. Like, to me, <laughs> it, kind of it almost seems like a cop out. It um, does. Like I, mm. I was gonna say, that's why I like old school games where like it was just like an ultra hard boss like the original Half-Life while it's end boss made absolutely no fucking sense don't and tell was comp- me. oh okay no i'm um, saying don't tell me what the boss is but you can continue okay well i i wasn't going to say what it was anyway oh, okay. but like trust me it makes no sense i mean maybe it makes sense in some way i'm not really sure but I'll it didn't seem <laughs> it didn't make sense to me um and it but it was like really hard uh but like at least it was something like I mean you're still first person shootering and you just you know had to kill this boss and mm-hmm. that was like that's how you ended the game and stuff and I was okay with that like I'm okay with just having a really hard end boss still doing the same mechanic true I I completely understand that and a lot of games do that which is great and then there's some games that just you know they you'd be running around as a human being, I'm still trying. I'm looking at my game, trying to find something that fits this, uh, you know, this mystique. Uh, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're like, you're in a plane, and your last boss is in a plane, and you, this is the first time you're ever experiencing a game where you're fighting in a plane. And you know, yeah. Then there's like a you know a underwater battle at the end of the game, and you're like, wait a minute, what does this game have to do with underwater battles? <laughs> I was in space the whole time. What the hell? You know? Well, actually, um, you know, Gunstar Heroes kind of does that. And that's, you know, like phenomenal game number one. But isn't that kind of known for its lunacy, though? Yes. I was going to say Gunstar Heroes is all over the board, though, because you have run and jump levels. And then you have, um, like, machinery levels. But there's only, like, three, two... Two machinery One. levels. <laughs> no, there's three machinery levels. Basically, there's um, Green's level where you're in the minecart. Then there's the first space level where you're in the spaceship. And then um, that, that that space level is the level that I'm talking about where it's like, what the hell? I, I'm, I'm in <laughs> space and I have to learn this whole new control scheme? Uh, and then after that, you go back into regular fighting. Yeah. Uh, running gun. But <laughs> that... but at least with that game, at least with a game like that, you're already going into it knowing, like, or you should be going into it knowing that it's gonna kind of Do jump around like shit. that. Yeah. True, very true, very very. Uh, very for true. for Braid, I wanted to also just mention real quick because I don't want to put anybody off or like ha- have people think I hate completely hated it. Like while the ending was jarring because of having to do that race mechanic, uh, like. Once it shows you why you had to do that, it does make sense, and it does fit into the story well, and, I mean, I appreciated it afterwards, 
So in a game like Braid, it was good, whereas, just to reference back to Psychonauts, like, while that made st- sense somewhat story-wise, it was just, like, it wasn't fulfilling afterwards. Well, so certain games... Sense. Yeah, certain games can do it, and it can be, like, while I while I personally hate it, it can still come off as feeling appropriate and fulfilling, and then other games can just be a fucking annoyance. <laughs> All right. Um, Anything else? Uh, nothing else here. I think uh, it's about time to close up shop. Let's uh, okay. do our shameless plugs and be out. Well, you know about my thing, right? What's your thing? About I'm giving away Psychonauts? No. Oh, I- I haven't been. This is must have been as of episode one thirty eight. Uh, no. Well, actually, I mentioned it on my Facebook. Um, you did. Yeah. Damn. I must it's have been, been my during like the day when I was asleep. Probably because it's been my status update for a couple of days now, and then that's when Austin said that like he probably won't be able to be on, but we should do the recording anyway, and blah 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 blah. Aha. Um. So anyway, yes. Uh, I'm running a pseudo contest to give away my copy of Psychonauts. Um, it's actually some, it, cause my copy of Psychonauts is actually linked to an older steam account that I really no longer use. Oh, and so okay. I've been trying to get rid of the steam account forever. Cause I don't, cause of my OCD and insanity, I've just hated the fact that I've had multiple steam accounts. Yeah. Um, so since I have now completed the one game on this, on this steam account that I don't already have on other steam accounts, I'm trying to get rid of this one. And, uh, like it's a way for somebody out there to get a free copy of Psychonauts. I mean, it's an amazing game. Even if you just play it and then pass it along to somebody else, I'm all for that. Like you guys can, like whoever whoever wants this and wins it can do whatever the hell they want with it. Um, but uh, the account, just so people know, it comes with more than just Psychonauts. Not much, but it does have um, Day of Defeat Source on it. Uh, it has Psychonauts. It has. Uh, Counter-Strike, the original with Condition Zero and Condition Zero deleted scenes. Condition Zero was the single-player Counter-Strike game. Uh-huh. Uh, it has the original Day of Defeat, De- uh, Half-Life Deathmatch Classic, uh, original Half-Life, Half-Life Blue Shift, Opposing Force, Team Fortress Classic, and uh, this game Ricochet. Um, so, uh, I mean, you get all those games basically for free if you're willing to just want to take the Steam account off of my hands. Um, again, even if it's just for Psychonauts and then you give away the account so someone else can play it, that'd be cool. Um, and if it's an account, you, if it's someone out there who doesn't have a Steam account and they want to keep this one, I can also offer, uh, Half-Life 2 and Half-Life 2 Episode 1 because I still have those free codes that you get when, like, because I bought the, uh, I had Half-Life 2 in Episode 1 and then I bought the orange box. So mm-hmm. then you get, you know, because I already had copies, it gives you free codes. Oh. Um, so, uh, um... Yeah, like basically people can someone can win all this and all they have to do to win all this stuff is write in a mailbag entry with an actual question and then somewhere in that mailbag entry be like I want that Steam account <laughs> or I want Pete's psycho not Pete, I want Pete's psycho nut or something. <laughs> um just So just, wait, this doesn't sound like much of a contest. It's not. It's not. I just want to get rid of the damn account. <laughs> <laughs> All people have, and plus we need mailbag entries cuz nobody ever writes the fuck in. Yeah. Um so uh yeah, write in and and uh I don't know. Oh, <laughs> you can also maybe okay, for the uh contest, tell me how you feel about uh races at the end of games that aren't racing games. <laughs> yeah. And the best one will win a copy of Psychonauts with extra stuff on it. It'll it'll only be come down to the best one if I have multiple people, multiple people saying that they want this. 
Because, seriously, it's amazing how people just don't want free stuff, apparently. Because I've been trying to give away the Steam account for well over a year. <laughs> um, actually, almost two years now, I've been trying to give away the Steam account, I think. Um, and Because, uh, I mean, it, before I had played Psychonauts, like, I had always I just assumed that I would just get rid of this account. And then when I w- wanted to play Psychonauts, I would just buy it on my other one. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like two years later I'm still just trying to give away this damn account um so anyway yeah just do that if you want this uh basically uh, I mean you can't change steam usernames or anything so like uh but again it's it's a free copy of Psychonauts damn it um so uh, I will just whoever wins it I will uh email the username and I'll change the password to something like something just random or whatever and then you can always after you win it you can just change the password to whatever the hell you would want to change it to as well as the email address um mm-hmm. you can change the email address you can change email addresses associated with account you just can't change usernames which is the reason why I wound up having I, I'm sure I mentioned this before it's the reason why I have multiple accounts because I was upset that this uh Steam account was its username is is a uh, is an old email address of mine because when I got this Steam account, it, the only thing you could have as your username was your email address. Ah. Then they incorporated you allowing to have other usernames, but if you already had a Steam account, you couldn't change your username. Um. So I wound up getting a new Steam account, you know, with my username now Riven, and so now I have this old Steam yeah thing. Blah 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 blah. I'm just reiterating what I've already said. So yeah. yeah. Enter the contest and win Psychonauts and enjoy. Yes, and where can we find you for your status updates? For my status updates, you can look to facebook.com slash Riven. That's R-Y-V-V-N. No L's, no C's. No L's, no C's this time. Um, And we can find, uh, as they say, my hair playing guitar at um, xlm2k.blogspot.com. I'm just trying to learn something new. And I might just uh, make a video of it when I get a little bit better at it. So look forward to a video in August. Ha <laughs> And um, I have my Facebook at facebook.com slash XLM2K. Know the association. And uh, let's see. Uh, you got a nice little new website that everyone should go and visit from time to time called uh, www.sharkversusoctopus.com as S-H-A-R-K shark versus V-E-R-S-U-S octopus O-C-T-O-P-U-S dot com um, and uh, you can also find Slunks his, uh, his giant bomb profile yeah I think you can just google Slunks right you could probably just google Slunks because I don't know his URL so Google Slunks. I don't know. I, I have a Giant Bomb account, and I don't remember how they do it. If it's like, because I never log into my Giant Bomb account, so I don't know if it's users or if it's just you know. I think Giant it was Bomb. like profile. I think it was uh, giantbomb.com slash profile slash slunks. With I would look for you, slunks, but I'm too damn lazy, and you're never on the podcast anymore. So yeah, slunks and his woman. Yeah. Speaking of podcasts, you said that there might not be one in a couple weeks because of your wedding. Yeah, um, because Austin and I are going to Jamaica. Yeah, along with a whole bunch of people, so it's not like I'm going right. to Austin. I mean, going to Jamaica with Austin, please. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I'm not here to judge. <laughs> yeah, but while you're not here to judge, who knows who else is here to judge? Right, is listening. Yeah, I'm talking well, about you. All right, so you okay? <laughs> uh, I was gonna say um that I if 
if Mr. Slunks comes back, you know, me and him can do an episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, and maybe I like uh, that, that. That'll be interesting to hear when we get back. <laughs> I can do one myself if I have to, but uh, yeah, do we'll see what happens. Five when... minute trilobite. Yeah. Maybe I uh, a trilo gigabyte. If Austin hadn't originally put time limits on those trilobites, they would have probably been 45 minutes. Ah. Well, I don't think there are time limits. We just impose time limits on ourselves so that we're just not caught rambling on and on and on, just one single voice. Yeah. Got to throw in a couple voices to you know mix it up. Speaking so, of um, rambling on and on and on, I keep making this drag out, so yeah, I'll let you end it. Go. Uh, So I think we're done with plugging. Oh, DrFishyPants.com. Yeah. We always do that. DrFishyPants.com. D-O-C-T-O-R-F-I-S-H-Y-P-A-N-T-S.com. I wonder if people realize, like, you do it, you're, you're doing it now, and Austin knows it all the time. When people spell stuff out on podcasts, nobody fucking listens. No, nobody, nobody listens. <laughs> but we do it anyway, just in case. You know, just in probably case. probably like a 0.05%. And we're serving those 0.05% because we're equal opportunity. <laughs> That's right. So for uh, Mr. Pete. Um, wait, there was something else I was going to say. Don't forget about TryGames.net and the mailbags. Right in for Psychonauts. Okay, that's all I had to say. Bye. Right. So for Pete. That's what I said. Bye. So for Pete. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and uh, for the Slunk and the Mr. Chupon and the me. We are finally saying goodbye. And the me, Mario. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed your happy 4th of July. Oh, yeah, happy 4th of July to Americans and happy not 4th of July, but it's still 4th of July to non-Americans. Woo, America! Fuck yeah. <laughs> something, 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 then. If something, fucking something, something.